Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hello, Latricia, and hello out there, Difference Makers. Today, we will be talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But unlike many of his focus areas, we will not be harvesting on I Have a Dream. In fact, if this podcast had a name, up front, it will be called, If I Hear, I Have a Dream, One More Time. And we're doing this because his birthday is coming up. Latricia, you are a big researcher. Can you tell the listeners about how his birthday became to be celebrated in America? Yes. From the research that I've done, What I found was that legislation was introduced pretty much immediately following his death in 1968, but it was rejected. To me, that's not surprising that it was rejected considering the time, the 1960s, where there was still a lot of racial stuff going on and people thought Dr. King was a troublemaker. So I think They didn't want to make it a holiday. And not only that, but also because he was a black man. Did you know that there was only one other American who had his birthday observed as a national holiday in America? Uh, No. Yes, there's only one other person. And that is George Washington, the first president of the United States. So I can understand why it was difficult to make it a national holiday in 1968. But the the legislation continued to be introduced and it continued to be rejected until Ronald Reagan signed it into law in 1983. Now, prior to that, President Carter had introduced it, but It was rejected. And Coretta Scott King, she continued to lobby Congress and she continued to try to make it a holiday. And during that time, also, Stevie Wonder, he made the happy birthday song and he also became an advocate with Coretta Scott King. And they got a petition together and they went before Congress and Then, like I said, finally, in 1983, Ronald Reagan signed it into law. And then the first celebration happened in 1986. So it was three years after it was signed into law. And another interesting fact that I learned was that all 50 states didn't celebrate until 2000. So it didn't become a thing in every state until 2000, although it had been a national holiday since 1986. 
And of course, you know this because you're a Mississippian, your home state as well as Alabama celebrate someone in the Confederacy on the exact same day, which is the third Monday in January. Although his birthday is January 15th, the holiday is celebrated on the third Monday in January. Leave it to Mississippi. Yes, I remember there was a lot of news about that a few years ago because it's, it hasn't been around for many years. So, Latricia, when you were speaking, I was thinking that we have a small age gap, so there's a little difference between the two of us. I grew up knowing about Martin Luther King's birthday as a federal holiday, but for you, you were a teenager when it came into law. So can you tell me about some experiences you had in school and other events? Although it wasn't a national holiday when I was growing up going to school, it was still celebrated. So in school, we still had assemblies surrounding Dr. Martin Luther King. We still had his birthday celebrated. Even for many of us, We didn't go to school on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, even though it had not yet become a national holiday. But I remember being in school and it seemed like, I know like you said, that if we had a title, it would be, if I hear, I have a dream one more time. And that's pretty much what I heard throughout school. We always had plays and assemblies and somebody always did an oration of I have a dream. And not only that, the other thing that was always present was about the Montgomery bus boycott. So there was always somebody playing Rosa Parks and somebody playing the cops saying, get up and move to the back of the bus. So this was something that was pretty much embedded in us year after year. So that's What Dr. King came to be known as for many of us, the I Have a Dream speech and the Montgomery bus boycotts. Later, I've learned other things about Dr. King, such as he gave a speech to the, I think it was the American Psychological Association, and he talked about rioting and looting, and he talked about how they were social social phenomena and really broke down rioting and looting. And I found that to be interesting because we only heard about the nonviolence, even though he was nonviolent and he promoted nonviolence, he still understood about rioting and looting and gave this speech to help other people understand about it. So I I thought that was pretty good. One other thing you asked was about events. There's a park in Los Angeles called Lamert Park, and they have a lot of cultural celebrations there. And they always had a celebration in honor of Dr. King there. And they and they have a parade every year. So that was something that I was privy to when I lived in Los Angeles. And then through the years outside of Los Angeles, wherever we've lived, there have been events that we have attended. But I haven't attended an event in quite a while. 
How about you, Phyllis? What are some of your experiences in school? Well, as it would happen, 10 years later, you were in California, I was in Mississippi, but people were still doing the I Have a Dream speech at assemblies. In addition to that, I also remember every year around January and February, they would roll out the TV on the wheels, pop out the VCR tape, and we will watch Eyes of the Prize. And we would see Dr. King on Eyes of the Prize. And one thing that I remember looking back at it was there was always a group of people with Dr. King. And it reminds me that heroes have heroes too. One person in particular was Bayard Rustin. He was an advisor for the Montgomery boycott. We also watched things like the cheesy 90s cartoons about what would have happened if Dr. King never came or if Dr. King never fought for freedom or racial equality. Sorry, not freedom. In a sense, freedom, but racial equality. I really don't remember too many parades, but if we did have a parade in Bolton, Mississippi, there would have been horses. That's all I remember about school and events was eyes of the prize. Oh, little art activities too of tracing the silhouette of Dr. King with the with the old school projector that's that gets hot. I remember that one art activity. Other than that, we didn't do too much. I know both of us like to travel and when we were doing some research Dr. King traveled so many places across America, and both of us, we have been to some of these places. Can you tell us about some of your experiences, what we would call the Martha Luther King Jr. Trail? I think you probably experienced more of the trail than I have. I've only been to Washington, D.C., and I was telling my husband the other day, I said, As many times as we have been to Atlanta, we never visited the King Center or any of the famous landmarks in Atlanta as it relates to Dr. Martin Luther King. But the one place that I have been is Washington, D.C. I have been to the MLK Memorial and... I've been to the Lincoln Memorial where he gave the famous I Have a Dream speech. And I've been to the African-American Cultural Museum where they have an area dedicated to Dr. Martin Luther King. So those are the places that I have been. One of the things that I, I noticed about the King Memorial were some of the quotes that he said, but There are so many more things that he said that we've never seen or heard. And I just, I I love what they have there, but I would like to see Dr. King known for more than I have a dream. And one interesting- All of the quotes on the Washington, D.C. Memorial are centered around, I have a dream. (laughs) One more time. Yes. (laughs) And one more interesting thing that I learned 
is that the MLK Memorial came about thanks in large part to the efforts of the fraternity that he was a part of, Alpha Phi Alpha. Also, the address of the memorial is 1964 Independence Avenue, which the 1964 references the Civil Rights Act. So that was those were some interesting facts. One other interesting fact as it relates to the Washington, D.C. area, that the speech that Dr. King gave at the Lincoln Memorial wasn't the first speech that he gave in Washington. Six years before that March on Washington, he was among some of the civil rights leaders who spoke in the shadow of the great emancipator during the prayer pilgrimage for freedom in May of 1957. Like I said, I know that you have been to more places on the trail than I have. So tell us about some of the spots you've been to on the trail and some of the experiences you have and what you learned. Well, my first experience was when I was around 12 years old. My dad, mom, a few of my cousins, and I went to Atlanta, Georgia. I wanted to go to Six Flags. And the only thing that was really on my mind was Six Flags. And I remember my dad saying, no, we're going to see, we're going to museums. We're going to see where Martin Luther King Jr. went to church at and all this stuff. And I remember pouting. Of course, it didn't go too well. So I got over it very quickly. But I got a chance to sit in the Ebenezer Baptist Church where Martin Luther King attended church when he was a young boy. And I learned an interesting fact about Martin Luther King Jr. His name wasn't always Martin. He was once named Michael King Jr., but his name was changed when he was five years old. After a trip to Germany, his father was inspired by the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther. His father changed his name to Martin Luther King. In response, he also changed his son's name to Martin Luther King Jr. That was something I learned also in Atlanta. Another interesting but sad fact about that church, Ebenezer Baptist, is his mom died in that church maybe about 10 years after Martin Luther King was assassinated. His mother was assassinated while she was playing the piano. Someone came in and was on a mission to assassinate her. So very violent way to pass away. And I read an article where Martin Luther King Sr. forgave the assassinator and didn't want him to get the death chair, but instead wanted him to get life in jail instead of the death chair because they didn't believe in violence. Thank goodness for those Baptist preachers. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd have been burned, baby, burn. Just go and burn up, burn, baby, burn. But, <laughs> but I just really shows how Martin Luther King Jr. was influenced by his dad. They were a family that practiced what they preached when the shoe was on the other foot. Then when I was about 30, my mom and I, we started going on these trips when I turned 30, just mom and I trips. 
We went to St. Augustine, Florida, and St. Augustine is the oldest continually inhabited city in America. So it's about 400 years old. When we went, we were really just thinking about beaches and, you know, the old Spaniard homes and things like that. But we ended up on this tour focused on African-American culture. There's a lot of African-American culture there. So if they ever have it again, please get a chance to visit. My mom and I saw his fingerprint. We went to a hotel. It's the Hilton now. But at the time of his arrest, it was the Monsoon Motor Lodge, where he sat down to be served. He was arrested and the um, agitators broke his nose. This is the same hotel where a picture was taken of a white supremacist being upset about an integrated pool and they were pouring acid in the water. My mom, she's a very flat person. Like she's not really moved by anything. She's 67. At the time she's probably 60. And I remember my mom sat down and she was like, I remember this. So I guess it would be like me going to see Trayvon Martin or seeing a spot what happened to Trayvon Martin. So she was like, I remember this. I remember all of this. Some people tried to get rid of the artifacts, but people fought for it. So there's a little area that's dedicated to Martin Luther King Jr. coming there to fight for civil rights. And you can still see the blood stain on the steps. We were on a tour and this lady was from St. Augustine and she started crying and she was like, I've lived here for 18 years. I never knew this. But you know what I bet she knew? I have a dream. (laughs) I bet she knew. I have a dream. (laughs) So that's just important to know what's going around, what's going on around you. And then... Last year, 2019, actually, not 2020, my mom and I went to Montgomery, Alabama. And since I just grew up here and I have a dream, I didn't even know about Selma until the movie came out. And um, Bloody Sunday, I didn't even know about that history. But we went to Montgomery, Alabama, and we were driving and seeing what type of history we could learn from. I guess me and my mom, we like just learning stuff when we go on trips and it was like, go visit Dr. Martha Luther King Jr.'s house. I was like, I thought his house was in Atlanta. So (laughs) when he was a young husband married to Coretta Scott King and had one child, he lived in Montgomery, Alabama. So we went to this home and you could see dents in the concrete of where shrapnel from the explosion had hit the sidewalk and the size of the building. We got a chance to walk through the small home. And, you know, they talked about how the FBI tapped his phone and it was free, but they encouraged donations. So we got a chance to walk through his home and it was still reserved as it was in the late 50s, early 60s. And when I was younger, I really went to party, but I went to Memphis and I did get on a tour and we saw the Lorraine Hotel where 
he sadly succumbed to his death by assassination. But what a lot of people don't know about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is that that was not the first close attempt. A lady stabbed him with a letter opener. It was very close to an artery. And the doctor told him if he would have sneezed, he would have died. So I don't remember the speech, but in the speech, he kept saying, if I just would have sneezed, I wouldn't have had a dream. If I just would have sneezed, there wouldn't have been a mountaintop. If I just would have sneezed, there wouldn't be marches. So in that speech, he talked about being stabbed and almost dying 10 years before his assassination. And some people feel that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. predicted that he was going to not be around much longer. I believe his last speech said, I may not get to the mountaintop with you. So that's some facts that we know about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from our travels and some of the research we've done. A very powerful man, bigger than I Have a Dream, bigger than his memorial. And Latricia, I just want to see what you're thinking now. I'm thinking, wow, how amazing that you have seen all these places, have visited all these places, have been there and and sensed the spirit of Dr. King in these places. And the other thing that I was thinking was, wow, I really want to go to these places. Then I started thinking about the deep South and we're in North Carolina. Tennessee is right next door. I should definitely go there. So that's what I'm thinking. And I also want to echo the sentiments that you said about Dr. King being so much more than I have a dream, not to take I have a dream lightly at all, because it was a very powerful and poignant speech that really meant a lot to this nation. But wow, he spoke lots of places. He had lots of sermons and we can learn so much more about him from some of those other things. And Latricia, you just drove something home too. It's 2021 and people still feel like that, like, ooh, I don't know about driving in the South. In 2021, there's still people who are apprehensive about driving in the South in 2021. He was doing this in the 50s and the 60s. So I think about his sacrifices then. And he was arrested about 30 times, approximately 30 times he was arrested. One time he was arrested for going 30 in a 25 mile zone. He wasn't given a ticket. He was arrested for it. I just, so I just thank him and everyone that assisted him, mentored him for their many sacrifices. And I also thank all of those people who continue to keep his legacy alive. And now, Dr. Martha Luther King Day looks a little different. Latricia, I think we talked about that the other day. It's not really just about Dr. Martha Luther King Jr. Day. It's also about servitude. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I noticed that over, I don't know, it's been... The last several years, I don't know how many years it's been, but I noticed how 
it has become this national day of service and how it's more than just going to parades and having these commemorative celebrations, but it's about getting out in the community doing the work, just as Dr. King was out in the community doing the work. I really love how it has become a day of service because there is so much to be done. Wow, that is true. And I think that's a good segue to our principal challenge. Principal challenge. Live them out. Our principal challenge for today is to listen to a speech or a sermon of Dr. King's other than I have a dream, learn something new about him, and share it. For our next session, open your heart, eyes, and mind as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Gwendolyn Love of New Jersey, Executive Director of Lunch Break, will receive the Dr. King Human Dignity Award at the YMCA Virtual Dr. King Commemoration, January 15th. Under Love's direction, Lunch Break services 6,000 hot meals every month and more than 850 families receive groceries through the Client Choice Pantry. Several thousand people receive clothes and needed household items. Through Lunch Break and its partner organizations, hundreds of children are given toys through the Holiday Toy Program. Many admire Gwendolyn Love for her compassion of servitude over the last eight years. Our second good news comes from executive producers Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. The fourth installment of Genius will premiere exclusively on Disney Plus and explore the extraordinary life and immeasurable impact of Martha Luther King Jr., Disney revealed in a tweet. A little known fact Martha Luther King went to Morehouse for his bachelor's. At 15, he was accepted at Yale, but completed his Ph.D. at Boston University. A genius, indeed. Our third good news comes from the Flint Art Project. The Flint Art Project is a nonprofit that uses art to activate vacant spaces. It commissioned artist Kevin Scraps Burdick to paint a mural. A mural with a bold statement now sits on the city's north side that depicts Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. walking arm in arm with civil rights leaders and activists, including the late U.S. Rep. John Lewis in Selma, Alabama. It's ready for admirers. Patricia, that's the good news. Can you close us out with a soul snack? Our soul snack for today comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and it says, a good chief is like a forest. Everyone can go there and get something. That's our show for today. If you enjoy our show, please subscribe and share. Until next time, expand your minds. 
and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.